Hi, everyone. I'm Stephanie. And I'm Jeremy. Authors of See You at the Campground, a guide to discovering community, connection, and a happier family in the great outdoors. Ten years ago, we bought a pop-up camper that changed our lives and introduced us to the joys of RV travel. Join us now as we talk about where to camp, what gear to bring, and the best food to cook. We'll also keep you dialed in with the latest RV innovations for people in the know. Pull up a chair and join us around the digital campfire. This is the RV Atlas. Hello, everybody, and welcome to today's episode of the RV Atlas. Today, we are doing our third episode with Carrie Cox from Travels with Birdie, all about her big summer trip to Colorado. She's a huge Colorado fan. She just got back from a really excellent RV trip. And today we're going to be kind of wrapping that up. In the first episode, she gave us her best tips for visiting Rocky Mountain National Park. And in these past two episodes, she's giving us campground reviews of some of the the highlights from her trip. So today she's going to be reviewing Tiger Run RV Resort near Breckenridge, Colorado, talking about this campground and talking a little bit about the area. I'm super excited to welcome her back to the show. But before we dive in and say hello to Carrie, we do have a sponsored message from our friends at Thetford. Thetford's Aquabio is a new twist on holding tank treatments. It offers today's RVers a formaldehyde and bronopol-free formula. Thetford's next generation of holding tank solutions is campground-friendly and complies with California regulations. This quick-acting holding tank treatment eliminates odors while digesting waste and toilet paper to prevent clogging, all without any harsh chemicals. It's proudly made in the USA. Thetford's new Aquabio is formulated and tested safe for all RV and marine toilets, holding tanks, and septic systems. It comes in liquid, toss-in, and dry options. You're going to want to visit thetford.com for more information. Carrie Cox, welcome to the show. Hello. Get to follow the the Thetford ad. It's kind of funny listening to (laughs) But it's good. It's I good. I am looking through your pictures about this campground and my jaw and the area around it. And my jaw is just kind of dropping. Like, this is a really, really pretty campground, isn't it? It is. We knew we loved, like, the Rocky Mountain area, but we hadn't been deeper into Colorado. So this was our first experience going more toward those ski towns of central Colorado and when we left, the day we were driving back home on I-70, I literally just started weeping, like <laughs> sobbing in the car uncontrollably. It wasn't just a single tear running down my face. It was like almost ugly crying because I was so sad to be leaving it. It was just such a beautiful area and um, such a good a good place to be. In terms of your life as as an RV traveler, is Colorado sort of the home of your heart? Is is it your your favorite place in the country that you visited? Yeah, I'm just really a mountain girl. Like I love the mountains. Um, the only other place that we've seen so far that's been as beautiful as Colorado is the Grand Tetons. They were spectacular. Um, they're just a little smaller, you know. So I think in Colorado you have so much more space to explore. It's practically, you know, the whole central part of the state there. And it's pretty accessible to us. So that's a nice thing. Like in the Midwest, we say 
it's just 12 hours away, 12, 12 hours away. Well, we can just drive there. It's not too far. Um, <laughs> so that drive across Kansas is really easy. And we're just really lucky that this is the kind of place that we can get to in a day's drive. So it's a place we do get drawn back to again and again. It's that- like, that's like Acadia yeah. for us. I mean, it's we, we can be to Acadia in under 12 hours. And so it does feel very approachable. It's, you know, one one long day of driving and you're at a stunning national park. So give us the lo- the general location of Tiger Run RV Resort and kind of get us situated in this part of Colorado. So Interstate 70 goes across kind of central Colorado. Um, it, it's, it goes through Denver. So that's kind of the main jumping off point if you're going to go a little more north up into Estes Park. But if you stay straight, you'll end up in all of those um, epic ski towns, Breckenridge, Frisco, Vail, um, that area. And so Tiger Run RV, RV Resort is just a few miles off of I-70 in between the towns of Frisco and Breckenridge. You are at 9,000 feet in elevation. So part of the beauty is just that you really are getting up into the mountains. You're not just looking at them, you're in them. Oh, how is the drive-in towing? It wasn't too bad. Now, you do see some scary signs that are like trucks, you know, check your brakes, and then you see the um, <laughs> the sand ramps for runaway trucks so that can be a little intimidating but if you know how to gear your truck down and you're you're not overextending your brakes then you're going to be just fine we felt like the road was nice and wide and even the road um, from the interstate on into tiger run was very fine so um, you don't have to really worry other than making sure you keep your breaks from getting hot. Remind us about Birdie 2.0 for anybody that didn't listen to that episode back about a year ago, was it, when you when you got Birdie 2.0? So what yeah. were you towing as you went into Colorado and what was the tow vehicle? Yeah, so we have a Toyota Tundra and then we have um, Birdie 2.0 is a Jayco 244 BHS and she's close to 30 foot and think between like six and 7,000 pounds unloaded and who knows how much we haven't weighed how much we weigh with all of our crap in there. Um, but it's safely within our, uh, towing range for the Tundra. So we had a really pretty smooth ride. This is only our, uh, second year of traveling with her the second summer and everything really, you don't feel her back there, you know? So we're, we're really thankful that, our setup felt good and secure for well, where we Birdie were going. Birdie 2.0 has been from the East Coast right near yeah. the beach, New Jersey, and all the way out west of Colorado. So, you know, good yeah. for you guys. Birdie 2.0 has covered quite a bit of the country. So yeah. let's zoom in on Tiger Run RV Resort. What makes this place special? Give us some of the details about it. So it is a private campground, and it's one of those ones where uh, the – campsites are owned individually. So I know there's campgrounds where people have paid to be like a member kind of of the campground and they're kind of an owner. Um, But in Tiger Run, people actually own each campsite. And then if they're not going to be on them, they rent them out through the resort. So um, you can kind of select a site when you're booking, like you'll be given numbers to select from. But they do put a big caution that in case there is a change in ownership or anything, you might not get that exact site. But they do guarantee you'll get a site at that point. It's not like they're going to call and say, sorry, you can't come. Yeah, they do. They say that. <laughs> I don't know how, you know, how that would work. Like, if I guess if they, maybe they just assume they always have some, that probably happens rare enough that they have at least one spare area. The other thing you do have to watch out for is that they have rig requirements. So this is 
not an like over the top ritzy kind of resort, but it is very nice, very meticulous, very well maintained. And so they want your RV to be like that too. And they request that your RV be newer than 20 years old, be longer than 20 feet, not including the tow vehicle and have no tent or canvas components. And then there's different blocks of sites that even have different length and um, some sites are even just for motorhomes. So you kind of have to really watch that when you're, you know, when you're thinking of staying here, just kind of make sure that you fit the general description first. And then when you sit down to book that you look at the specific uh, requirements, we'll talk a little more about that later. I'm of two minds with requirements like that. And I know people get very worked up about those types of things. There's part of me that thinks, well, it's their property. They can impose whatever restrictions they want, as long as it's not about like a certain type of person or race or religion. Uh, But then there's another side of me that's like, you can't have a rig under 20 feet. I mean, there are airstreams that are under 20 feet. There are $60,000 Oliver travel trailers that are under 20 feet. You know, like, Really? Like, that doesn't seem super logical to me, but it is what it is. And I think that's a a really good point. If you're going to book, you want to make sure you're allowed in there. Yeah. And there's, you know, the owners each um, control their spot. And so you'll see spots that are kind of decked out with massive patios and fire pits and things like that, um, where the the people have built, like they can build things on their sites. Um, So you, you... you see some really, really fancy rigs in there because <laughs> those sites, I think we looked it up and I think we saw some that were at least a hundred thousand to buy. I could, I could be way off on that, but wow, it's, you are near, near Vale. Yeah. So, I mean, that does kind of yeah. make sense. So, now, are there pictures of these sites when you book? Because the sites are all so different. How did you get a sense of what site you were booking? Yeah. So we, um, you can see all of the available sites and their available days. And then when you click on them, you'll see what that site looks like. So that's really helpful. And then the other thing to point out, there are a lot of chalets there. So um, this park is open year round, which is super cool because you are in the mountains where there's a lot of snow and people are coming there for a ski vacation and they have pictures of the sites with, you know, feet, <laughs> feet deep piles of snow on them and the chalets situated in, in the snow. So uh, it's really cool to see all the different pictures of the sites and what they look like in the snow. What was your particular site like? I'm looking at it right now. It looks gorgeous. Head over to the rvatlas.com, everybody that's listening, and check out the show notes to see all Carrie's beautiful pictures. Tell us about your site. So all of the sites have a lot of landscaping on them. And of course, i Frequent listeners of the show probably know that I love pine trees. You'll see a bunch of them. And my other favorite tree, <laughs> since I have favorite trees, um, is an is the aspens. So our site actually had some pine and some aspens. And then in between the sites, there's a lot of manicured uh, landscaping. Each owner clearly puts their own stamp on there too. So ours had these gorgeous tall daisies and kind of giving us some separation from our neighbors. And it's just so lush and full. Like you really do get a lot of privacy, a lot of the sites, like we could see our neighbors, but we were very private. And then our site was like three, three sites deep, like in a normal park, that would have been three parking spots. Um, So we had like room for our trailer, we could have parked our truck beside it. And then we had a huge patio uh, with the picnic table. 
yeah, this site is like, this is beyond a deluxe site at a KOA or something like that. I mean, this is really a next level of of luxurious camping or glamping for for sure. All right, we're going to come back in a second. We got all kinds of uh, more information and content we're going to get from Carrie. We're going to talk more about the campground and more about the area. But before we do so, we have a sponsored message from our friends at RV Snap Pad. Meet the world's only permanent jack pad. RV Snap Pads attach permanently to your RV leveling jack so you don't have to carry around blocks of wood or those annoying plastic blocks to level your RV or motorhome. Simply snap them on one time and you are all set. And they are pretty darn easy to install, particularly if you use a little bit of dish soap, but the directions are right in there when you buy them. I used to carry around four jack pads in my front storage bin, and each time we'd have to set up the RV, I'd have the boys run around and put them into the position, and it gets annoying fast, and I gotta dig through the storage bin for them. So much easier now with the RV snap pads. They also help us stabilize the rig because they create a larger and sturdier footprint. So to find out more, visit rvsnappad.com. They are actually currently sold out on their website because of all the crazy manufacturing issues uh, due to COVID, but they should be back in stock soon. So check them out at rvsnappad.com. Now, Carrie, when you call to book a site, do you inquire about the types of trees that are in the campground? I mean, do you have a list of tree questions? Right, right. <laughs> I look at the pictures and try to find find the just right trees and I'll have the ambiance I want. <laughs> how, how does this yeah. stack up to like a rafter jay? Like over the years, we know that that is maybe still your favorite campground. I mean, is this at that level in terms of your personal favorites? Yeah, I would. I, rafter jay still edges this out just because like your sites were so big and natural naturally beautiful like here you you do have nature but it's just that more manicured um like that private park manicure where it's not quite as natural where rafter jay had that almost state park feeling so that rafter jay still stays up there above this but these were just really phenomenal um sites like just a a great place to sit and at your site and relax and um, we had a picnic table Uh, they don't have fire pits um so that's one thing to notice you can bring them but you have to watch out for the fire regulations um colorado does get wildfires so a lot of times they'll frequently shut down and ask people not to make uh, fires and then um, if you bring your own they don't want you to ruin the concrete because like that concrete belongs to a person (laughs) so you have to be that um but yeah just really pretty they don't want you bringing a big dirty dirty fire pit and and sticking it on this beautiful these beautiful paved sites so what what else do we need to know about the booking details or about the sites What, what else do you want our listeners to know so all of the sites are full hookup, so you don't have to worry about figuring that out. You get electric, water, sewer, cable, and then some basic furnishings. But again, that really varies. Um, in the show notes, there'll be a link to the types of campsites. So on the Tiger Run website, they break it down, all the different types of website, uh, all the different types of campsites. And that way you can kind of decide there's some that back up to a river. There's some areas that are motorhomes only. There's some that might have more uh, developed patio um, furnishings. So they break all of that down for you. And those all have different prices. So there'll also be a link to the rate sheet. Um, So check out those to kind of get a sense of what you want. But our site, as awesome as it was, it was one of the cheapest sites. So Ours is the bottom line. <laughs> they get 
bigger and nicer and fancier from that's, there. That's incredible considering yeah. how beautiful this site was. Now, you have told me that, you know, you and Russell dream about traveling full time or living in an RV full time at some point. Is, is this somewhere you could see wanting a permanent site or is that just not really fit how you would want to go about things? Oh, I would love that if I had this <laughs> the spare $100,000. But um, if not, they do have monthly rental. And if I was understanding the website right, it was maybe like $1,600 for a month. And that would totally be doable. Like I would totally spend a month up here or two, you know, in the summer, I really dream of going to Colorado in the fall when the aspens are golden. So that would be a wonderful time. And then I'd love to be there in the winter. I'm just not sure I can drive in the snow because I'm still I in Missouri we get the kind of snow that turns into ice so I've crashed on it before because we get um it's just not cold enough here to be a powdery snow so anyway but yeah I would definitely want to spend a significant amount of time here if I could because the area all around it is so pretty all right let's get to the area in one second but what other amenities do we need to know about before you uh, take us on a little bit of a tour of the Breckenridge area I think I forgot to say, I'll add real quick, that it is about 100 to 120 a night for the campsite. Um, And again, that sounds like a lot. And you're not getting like a ton of amenities for that. But this is kind of the only thing in town. So Breckenridge is a very expensive area. And there's no other private campsites like in lots and lots and lots of miles. There are some national forest sites that don't have much in the way of hookups or um, that kind of thing that are a lot more remote. So, you know, that 100 to 120 sounds a little scary. But again, if you want to be in this area, that's what you're going to pay. The real estate's um, it's valuable. Like, it's like the East Coast. I mean, people people by yeah. us complain about Massey's Landing in Delaware being 100 bucks a night. But, you know, for them to make it profitable to the point of it being a yeah. good investment, um, you know, they could always just sell the land and put condos or something. So yeah. sometimes that's just going to be the pricing when you're in desirable areas like this. Now, you said the amenities were limited. What do they have yeah. there? So they do have an indoor pool, which, again, since it's pretty cool up at 9,000 feet in elevation, it makes sense that the pool would be inside. They have a hot tub, um, a big clubhouse with a game room. And then outside, there's like a playground, tennis and basketball courts, and everything looked super manicured, super nice, top of the line. Um, But a lot of things, we were there, of course, during COVID, unfortunately. So um, some of the things either were closed entirely or were taking reservations. So for the indoor pool, they had a form you could fill out to reserve a spot for a number of people who were coming. And uh, we didn't have little guys with us anymore. Our guys have kind of outgrown the, the, like, obsession with swimming so we didn't try that out and um, but everything we saw looked really nice it's just that it's not like a like a jellystone where you're going to have a ton of activities and a ton of other things to do now some things that you can do in the park that aren't like built amenities so much that there are two rivers that run through it that are super scenic they're very pretty there's places where you can fish in those and then thinking about little kids um they would love the smooth roads in this park. It's so big that you could bicycle for miles and miles and miles, or you could walk for miles like me and get yourself lost. <laughs> I got totally lost after I was doing a tour for the Facebook group. And then I finished and I was just like, I don't know. I have no idea like how to get back to my campsite or where I'm at because it is so lush in there that there's no, um, it's hard to find like a point 
a recognizable point <laughs> to get yourself back to your spot. And so you're seeing mountains you do, all around the exterior. Yeah. There's lots of trees inside. Yeah. So, yeah. so if you send your kids out to bicycle, make sure they take a cell phone in case they can't find their way back. <laughs> or the walkie talkies. But our kids, yeah, our kids have cell phones now. A source of constant stress. So yeah. any other insider information, anything that would really help somebody book a trip here and make wise decisions? A really cool thing, I know a lot of people with motorhomes don't travel with a tow vehicle, and that often leaves a little bit of stress for how they're going to get around. Well, right outside the park gate is a bus stop for Breckenridge's, um, Breckenridge's public transit. So you can just go there, hop on a bus, and it'll take you right into Breckenridge. I didn't look much into it to find out where else it would take you or how often it runs. And then that biking, there's a biking trail right behind that bus stop. And it runs all the way into Breckenridge, and it probably runs for miles and miles and miles. And that was really well traversed. You see, in Colorado, you just see people outside everywhere. And so if you are someone who has a bike and you want that kind of long-distance run, you can access that right outside the park. This would make this like an elite campground destination for somebody who's really into biking. All right, yeah. we're, we're going to come back in one second. We're going to talk about some regional highlights near Tiger Run RV Resort. But before we do so, we have a sponsored message from our friends at Jayco. Jayco has helped generation after generation create family memories since 1968, offering travel trailers, fifth wheels, toy haulers, Class C and Class A motorhomes. It's easy to find the perfect Jayco for your family. With an industry-leading two-year limited warranty, beautiful design, and innovative safety features, you can be confident in your Jayco. Visit your local Jayco dealer or Jayco.com for more information. Jayco, generations of family fun. So what kind of fun did you guys get up to outside of Tiger Run RV Resort? Yeah, we just went to Breckenridge. Um, That was an area we'd never been to before. The town is really cute. So on the episode about Estes Park, I described it as being kind of traditionally touristy, fudge shops, t-shirt shops, but a little hipper and a little more outdoorsy. Well, if you take that and multiply it times like 10 or 100, you get Breckenridge. So it's got your t-shirt shops. There's probably a fudge shop. I didn't see it. Um, But it's definitely like nicer. (laughs) Like you don't get that um, just that super bad touristy vibe. You kind of get like, oh, okay, I might find a cute sweatshirt here. That's not like a super touristy one. I don't know. And some cute (laughs) and some really like nice architecture as well, right? Yeah. The buildings are really old. Um, Part of them, they're like old and new mixed together and really renovated. We saw a, um, a red fox one night just hanging out in a yard beside a building. So that was really cool to see wildlife right in town. And then all around you, you can still get those mountain views. And while we were there, they had actually shut down um, all of the street to traffic and all of the restaurants had their seating outside. So it was really like, even though like COVID is this bad thing that caused them to have to do that. I thought it added to the experience because you know, it was like, it felt so much more social. You could hear the live music in the air and see the mountains like as the sun set and you're walking around and we felt comfortable enough to eat outside. So it's just like, they're doing a nice job there of making it welcoming, but still safe. I'm just so reminded of the article Stephanie did about like Placid and, and the podcast we did earlier that, 
you know, we felt the same way taking an RV trip to the Lake Placid region. We felt comfortable. We felt safe. We felt like the region was taking COVID seriously and taking the proper precautions. So I'm so I'm just so glad to hear that here as well for you guys, because I mean, I know that you probably did have some hesitations doing this Colorado trip, right? Yeah, we had watched and watched and watched to see whether the park was even going to reopen in Estes Park. And then, um, you know, at the time, like cases weren't quite spiking in Missouri yet. So, you know, it seemed pretty okay, like that we weren't taking danger too much with us. And then the cases weren't spiking there yet. So we kind of got out at a good time. When we came back to Missouri, cases were spiking here. But um, we really felt good Colorado had a statewide mandate. People wore masks. Even in Breckenridge, they had these huge, um, pretty flags, you know, hanging on the main street that were like, we're all in this together. Wear your mask. And um, it just, you know, they took something bad, like I said, and made it something okay. Well, you know what, Carrie, there is nothing wrong with finding silver linings. I I know exactly what you mean. Like, you don't want to say, oh, it's a good thing that this environment was created. But if there's aspects of it that that were enjoyable, I'm I'm just so glad you guys went and had this this great trip. And I'm, I'm hoping that, you know, a lot of our listeners who are traveling cautiously, are also having these types of really rewarding trips that they're they're not regretting in any way. So what else do we need to know about Breckenridge? What else should we do? And tell us about your big catch. <laughs> yeah, so as if this place can't, you know, could, could not be any more beautiful with the architecture and the mountains and the pine trees, there is a beautiful river that runs right through the town. And um, near uh, the downtown area, there's a, a Riverwalk Center, which is their performing arts facility that has this big lawn. I imagine they probably have outdoor concerts there or festivals at different times of year. Well, all in front of that, the creek is beautifully landscaped and very shallow. So while we were there, kids were all playing out ar- along that. And then um, further, I can't think of what direction that would be, <laughs> but outside of town a little bit, there's a recreation center. And there's an area in front of it that they call the steps, where the town has purposely built little pools of water because uh, trout like to swim in the cold water and they like it where it's a certain depth. And so they purposely have put in all of these pools to create a fishing area. And I'm not nearly as experienced of a fisherman or woman as my husband. And so we thought that this seemed like a good solid place for me to try to catch a trout. So we went and um, he caught a couple and I was kind of feeling like I'm never going to catch anything. Of course, he had his awesome fly rod and I had the like cheap pull that (laughs) I threw it out. It wouldn't hardly go. He kept thinking it was user error, but finally admitted it was actually not working right. But anyway, at this one point, the sun finally started to set and um, Russell's line you know, jerk. So he starts to catch his fish. Well, as I was looking at him, my line jerked and I snagged my fish. And then like, I think two people around us also caught fish all at the same time. It was trout biting, like the trout biting minute. We all caught a fish. And so I have never, even though I've caught a few fish in my life, I'm not even sure if I've ever caught a trout before. Um, I never have touched them. Like I really have kind of sensory weirdness where I don't like to get my hands dirty and so I really had never touched a fish and so this was my (laughs) this was my chance to get the real fisherman 
photo with my fish. And, and like, I don't think it looks as noble. I'm looking at the picture right now. And if you look at if you look at the picture kind of quickly, it's like, oh, Carrie's smiling. She looks so happy. But then if you sort of stop and really look at the picture, and now that I've heard you describe it, it's like she's actually squirming and looks like she's like physically in pain holding the fish. It was really soft. It wasn't too slimy or too bad. But I'm just like, ah! And then, you know, Russell's always taught me my whole life, like, you have to be super careful because you don't want to hurt them and they're out of the water. So it's like, get the picture, get the picture. And I also don't want to really be holding this too long. And so when we did finally get our poor fish back in the water, it was a little stunned by its experience in my hand, but uh, we poked it a little bit and it woke up and swam off happily. So I was really excited and I want to get a pole of my own now and actually do that more. Awesome. Well, Carrie, thank you so much for three great episodes of Colorado content. And I just want to ask you, like, when you go back to Colorado, what what do you want to do that you haven't done yet? I would love to have explored more in that area. We only had a couple of days at Breckenridge. And so definitely that area. We're supposed to go on down to the Great Sand Dunes, but we um, are... Our son's prom had gotten rescheduled due to COVID. And at first we were like, yeah, we can just book it back and get there like the day of prom and it'll all be okay. But then I finally let myself realize that that was a fantasy. I was telling myself <laughs> that we, and also we were kind of worried the Coxes, um, we're, we're not like naturally sand people and we didn't really have the right kind of shoes for the sand dunes. And so we were just deciding maybe we should just leave on this high note it was beautiful in Breckenridge and get back in time for prom. So anyway, we do, we really would like to see the sand dunes, really would like to see that central Colorado area. And then on over into um, Silverton and Ure, I think I'm saying that right. That area looks amazing too. So um, we have to like learn a lot more about which mountain passes you can go on and <laughs> all of that to get there. I think I saw a picture of an RV burned up the other day that was had its engine had blown up on a mountain pass. So we still have a little learning to do before we get deeper and further. Oh, but into you, are, you are becoming a Colorado expert to some degree. And I, I look forward to more great Colorado content from you. Carrie, remind everybody where they can, you know, read your great writing and check out all these pictures and, and all your uh, places on social media. I keep my Instagram feed most up to date. So you can find me as travels with birdie on there. And then I have a blog. It's a little out of date, but I still have some stuff on it, especially if you're going to some of the places we visited in the past. And then I've been lucky enough to do a lot of freelance writing. So I have a lot of family friendly trailer pieces over on, on trailer life and some blogs on the good Sam Jayco journal and Togo RV. So trying to get some, get some stuff out there. And, and you are. So thank you so much. And we'll see you at the campground. Thanks for having me. A big thank you for listening to this episode of the RV Atlas. And a big thank you to our sponsors. They provide great quality products and resources for RVers and also support the production of this show. We personally believe in them and are happy to share our favorite products with you. You can find blog posts and links with everything mentioned in this episode over at thervatlas.com. And you can join the friendliest group of RVers over on Facebook in our private RV Atlas group. And as always, we'll see you at the campground. See you at the campground.